1: Free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert.
2: You are locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day.
0: This is the Locked on Reds podcast. I'm your host, your cheap seat crony, your bench jackie with a beer. My name is Jeff Carr bringing you the Reds every day. What is up, Reds fans? Welcome into the Locked On Reds podcast on this phone-in It Friday. I'm your host, Jeff Garr. Thanks so much for downloading and listening. As you can tell, I'm a little bit hoarse. Had an absolutely fantastic day at opening day down there at Great American Ballpark between the block party and the game. I mean, it started off with a bang at the block party. I was over by the photo booth with a couple of people, and sure enough, there were two Pirates fans who decided to get engaged as, you know, the boyfriend went down on one knee and proposed to his girlfriend in front of a wall of Reds stuff. So I I don't know if that's how they drew it up, but hey, whatever. She said yes, good for them. They got engaged on the same day that the Pirates lost to the Reds on opening day. Couldn't have been happier about that. The Reds won five to three in a heck of a game. The whole team just looked loose, looked like they were having fun, and looked like they enjoyed baseball. The Derek Dietrich-led Cincinnati Reds, as Dietrich hit a three-run home run in the seventh to cap off a four-run rally that ultimately gave the Reds the win. Just an awesome day, awesome game all around the weather was beautiful and you know the game was good so that's why my voice sounds like it is a little bit deeper so we're going to jump in to our interview with Joel Luckup I just wanted to recap opening day real fast I enjoyed this conversation a lot. I think you will too. Joel is the statistician for the Fox Sports Ohio broadcast. He also does a couple of other things for them, but that's kind of his main title. Had a really good talk with him about the numbers and then also about kind of how he got to where he is. So hope you enjoy it. Here we go. All right. So for today's Phone It In Friday, we have a very special guest on the podcast today. I am... Very honored to be talking to Joel Luckup. Joel, how are you doing tonight, sir?
2: I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me on.
0: Absolutely. I'm very happy to have you. Um, I'm a big fan when it comes to statistics, and baseball might be the perfect sport for statistics. Kind of as a starter question, how long have you been, been doing statistics for the Reds broadcasts?
2: Uh, so I started doing this. Uh, I did a a series in 2010 at the end of 2010, but I didn't really officially get the job until the 2011 season. So I've been doing it. This will be my ninth season doing it.
0: Very nice. Getting to see all that good stuff. Uh,
2: how did you get? Well, I mean,
0: there was like two years of good stuff and then a lot (laughs) of
2: terrible, terrible stuff, but yes.
0: (laughs) Yeah. There has been a few years. It's like, oof, man, I'm, I'm happy that we're on the other side of that. Fingers crossed that that's a true thought, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was the first step that got you where you are now?
2: Oh, it, it probably... So I started blogging. Um, I started a blog that I called the Great American Reds Blog back in 2005, I think it was. Yeah. Nice. And... Um, that was also the same time that around the same time that um, uh, Red Lake Nation and uh, Red Reporter all started around that same time. And so, um, yeah, I started blogging, doing kind of my own thing. Uh, JD Arnie, who ran uh, Red Reporter, um, got wind of my stuff. and. Started sharing it, and then I ended up going over to Red Reporter and being a contributor over there. Actually, I I was – another blog that uh, – for a network that doesn't exist anymore uh, called Reds and Blues, I wrote there for a little bit and then oh, nice. uh, wrote at Red Reporter um, for several years, uh, eventually taking it over from JD uh, for uh, – actually, I took it over from somebody who took it over from JD uh, for a few uh, um for a couple of years. And then I left there in 2010 to, um, cause I started, I wrote a book. I wrote a book about the 1990 Wire to Wire team with, I wrote that with John Rorty. Uh, you can check it out on Amazon. It's called Wire to Wire Reds. Uh, nice. am I allowed to plug my stuff? That's
0: oh, fine. absolutely. Yeah. I'm yeah, just like, kidding. I'm
2: no, run it, man, um, run it. <laughs> and, and through doing that book, I, uh, met a lot of people, um, got introduced to some people in the broadcast booth and unfortunately uh, so at the time um the person that did my job was mark wagner known as daddy wags and he'd been doing it for a couple decades i think um and uh unfortunately he passed away suddenly towards the end of the 2010 season and uh, a couple people knew me uh through the work that i had done on the blog um actually i uh one of the most significant things that I had done at the blog was I had interviewed Nick Crawl way back before he, you know, when he was just—I um, don't even think he was a director at that. He might have been a director at that point, but uh, you know, he eventually went on to become the Reg general manager. But I had interviewed him, and so he and I corresponded quite a bit. And I think Chris Welsh had actually asked him. Whether or not uh, he knew of anybody that would be willing to do the job and he and Nick had recommended me. Um, so I went in and talked to the guys there in the booth and it was a good fit. I, um, you know, I, I would have liked it to be, have been under better circumstances, but uh, I was fortunate enough to be in the right place at the right time uh, to be able to take the job. Nice. That almost sounds
0: kind of Game of Thrones-y a little bit. I just got done <laughs> watching. I, I, I have nothing to do with his death. Okay? <laughs> no, I'm definitely not blaming you there. Um, but that's, that's pretty – so kind of what, what's the feel? of doing statistics during the broadcast cuz like I don't know maybe my imagination is over active a little bit but I almost imagine like a Wall Street
2: day just like hey hey he's batting 350 he's batting 350 <laughs> you know so okay so a lot of the base stats uh the the announcers are already prepared with that stuff so they know a lot of the um the the Reds provide a stat pack uh, mm-hmm. on a daily basis uh they also do research on their own um where they look up, you know, how players hit in certain situations. So a lot of the things like how a player hits with runners in scoring position, I don't have to provide them that kind of stuff. They already know all of that. Um, So really my job is twofold. And the the really basic part of my job is that I communicate with the uh, video truck because they're – under down in the bowels of the stadium and can't see what's going on on the field except for if a camera is showing it so i communicate with the graphics people in the truck and let them know you know where runners have advanced on bases um you know if there's a a batter in the on deck circle a pinch hitter in the on deck circle uh if somebody's warming up in the bullpens uh, um and they're not they they do have cameras down in the bullpens to be able to see that but if they can't see into the bullpen i try to I uh, get that information for him as to who's warming up in the bullpen. Uh, so those kinds of things. So that's kind of the really basic stuff uh, that most people could handle uh, doing the job. And then the other half of my job is to really just pay attention to the trends that are happening in the game and identify. OK, so, you know, I, I, I mean, people always like to say, oh, well, you're the one that looks up, you know, how he hits on Tuesdays. And, like, you know, at night, <laughs> you know, the wind blowing out. No, I don't. Nobody does that kind of stuff. Um, I try not to be too esoteric with my stats. Um, It it happens sometimes because sometimes I notice something that's really wacky and I'll handle I'll hand it to them and and they'll just tell me I'm not saying that. That's, you know, and that's fine. I'm not like I don't want to get too obscure, Um, uh, but uh, most of the time I'm trying to notice what the trends are in the game or throughout the season and when things are relevant i try to hit them with the notes so i do a lot of prep before the game i'll I'll write out a lot of note cards before the game just that uh, that are things that i've noticed typically about how um the reds or somebody on the reds or somebody on the the opponent uh, where they, if they rank really high in a, spe- a certain specific, or, or if the team ranks really low in a certain st- statistic, um, I'll make note of it. Cause I want to make sure that if it comes relevant during the game, I'm prepared. If I have to take the time on a lot of things, if I have to take the time to write out a note for them and then hand it to them, the moments already passed. Uh-huh. So I want to try to be as prepared with stuff as I can so that it, they can talk about it when it's relevant. Uh, Sometimes that's not possible. Sometimes wacky things happen during a game. And uh, so then the other the other thing I'm doing a lot is something weird will happen during the game. Um, You know, something just, you know, my my favorite example that I always like to do is in 2011 in a game in 2011. Mm -hmm. Miguel Cairo batted twice in an inning. He let off the inning as a pinch hitter and then batted later on in the inning. Uh, Had two at bats. He saw 12 pitches. And there's two at bats and didn't swing at a single one of them. Uh, (laughs) He walked his first uh, plate appearance. I said about, he walked his first plate appearance on a three, two count. And then he struck out in his second plate appearance on a three, two count and didn't swing at a single pitch the entire inning. So I spent a good inning there trying to figure out if anybody had ever seen that many pitches in an inning and not swung (laughs) and, uh, and actually as far as far back as data goes, which is to 1988 for pitches, as far back as data goes, um, nobody had ever seen more than 11 pitches in an inning without swinging once. And so you know that was one of those that's one of those just like weird things that was like, well okay, we've got to mention that. Because it's just so weird. Uh, it's one of those things that, and by that point, the game was a blowout, so they'll talk about that kind of stuff. But if it was a two-to-one game and I gave them something like that, they may be like, "This isn't relevant right now, so we're sure. not going to talk." Um, so that's kind of what I'm trying to do, though. When I do all this stuff, is I'm trying to balance, uh, trying to put some some interesting, deep factoids out out there, um, as opposed to making sure I'm giving them stuff that's relevant. So I spend a lot of time really just listening to what they're talking about and what I'll do a lot of times if they bring up a, a guy's name, I'll immediately go to his uh, baseball reference page and I'll start just looking through the numbers and paying attention to what they're saying as best I can. Um, and then if they say something and I, in a, you know, I'm like, oh, this is this number is relevant to what they're talking about. I will write it down or I'll if, it, if it's happening too quick, I may I may tap Tom on the shoulder and point you know, to what I've got up on the screen and say, Hey, check this out, you know, kind of thing. Do you
0: ever hand them a note or statistics and they kind of give you a look like cross like,
2: really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not, not regularly, but they're, um, I'll get, you know, I'll get a look. I mean, Tom specifically will like, I'll give him something. Now he, out of all the announcers that I work with, he reads the most of what I give him. Um, but there will be times when he'll look at it and then he'll just look at me and, you know, kind of out of the side of his eye and just be like, no, you know, that's that's too far out there. So, yeah.
0: How often, and you you saying that you would monitor like the game trends and stuff like that. How often after a guy hits maybe his second home run of the game, do you look up and say, okay, um, how often has he hit three and has he ever hit four and all that good stuff? Well, typically
2: with a guy hitting multiple home runs now, um, the reds, the reds will, uh, announce over the speaker, how many times he's hit multiple home runs that season and in his career. Uh, so I don't like, unless I'm not in the middle of something, I don't go looking for that right away. But if it's somebody, especially if it's either somebody that I know has hit three home runs before I'm, I might go look at it then, or at least, you know, make a note to, in my mind to, Hey, before he comes up again, look that up, um, depending on what's going on in the game. Uh, I I will look for somebody that maybe doesn't necessarily hit multiple home runs in a game all that often, Um, you know, somebody like Jose Peraza or somebody like that. Uh, I may go and look right away so that they have that information as quickly as possible so they don't have to wait for the Reds to announce it because it does take, you know, the Reds media guys are pretty quick, but it still takes, you know, maybe a minute or two and it may be not relevant in the broadcast by the time that happens. so
0: Sure. It sounds like a, a, an online test and that you got like just enough time to Google it and then you, the moment's gone.
2: Yeah. And uh, I mean, you said Google, but it's baseball reference. Right. Right. Yeah. But it 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 is the skills that I have, um, you know, I'm, the title is statistician, but I'm more like a researcher <laughs> and the skills that I have are that I'm I'm pretty quick at. I know I know how to translate the question into a search, um, which isn't – which I've learned over time is not something that the general public knows. Even when it comes to Google, most people don't know how to phrase stuff properly to use Google, and I've gotten pretty good at – I know that if I phrase it a certain way, these are the kind of answers I'm going to get on Google or if I know – Um, these are the kind of parameters that I need to be quick with and search with on baseball reference in order to find what I'm looking for.
0: All right, guys, this is the part of the Locked On Reds baseball podcast where I talk to you for a moment about sex. That's right. And we're talking good sex. Do you remember the last time that you pitched a complete game? Has it been a while? Are you just getting to that quality start right now, I've got a solution. Blue Chew. Blue Chew is a chewable tablet that has the same active ingredient as Viagra, except it is much more fast acting since it's a chewable. Now, through this special offer, you can go to bluechew.com. And enter the promo code MLB for this introductory offer. You get a free shipment of Blue Chew. You just pay $5 in shipping and you can have it sent to you. It'll help you get back to where you want to be when you want to be there. We're talking about bluechew.com, as in the color blue, B L U E.com promo code MLB, this is a great introductory offer for the listeners of the Lockdown Reds podcast. BlueChew.com, promo code MLB for your free introductory offer. BlueChew.com is a new partner of the Lockdown Reds podcast, and we thank them for sponsoring today's episode. Is it something like you could almost, and, and this is mostly even just for my own edification, but um, is it something like you could type into the search, like, who's got the best batting average with two strikes with runners in scoring position on the Reds, or is it more
2: well, broader okay, than that? So we'll, we'll do that example right there. If I wanted okay. to find that, if I needed to find that right away, well, that's a two-part split mm-hmm. on baseball reference. And right now baseball reference does not give you the option to look at, at two dimensions on the split. You can only look at one or the other, except you can go into what's called the event finder on, on the index or on the play index. Mm-hmm. And so if you go into the event finder, you can actually filter then to strike at bats and runners and scoring position at bats. And I could pull that up now. I would be hesitant to pull something like that up simply because that to me is too granular. Sure. Um, but it's possible, you know, if the Reds have had in that game, for instance, say they've had three or four at bat or three or four hits with two strikes and runners in scoring position. So that would be a trend. For instance, Mm -hmm. I may go and look, okay, you know, this is, The story of this game. So I'm balancing that, you know, I'm as a blogger. I was a lot of times doing analytics You know, I was trying to uh, analyze what was happening in my position I'm it's more about getting information that's relevant to the story of the game Mm -hmm. So I know a lot of people hate the matchup data and I get that Um, Matchup data can be useful in creating a story, which is what the announcers are trying to do They are not trying to say Joey Votto versus uh, Max Scherzer <laughs> is you know this means that Joey Votto is going to get a hit because he's six for ten against Max Scherzer. I don't right. know what he is, but uh, that's not what they're trying to say. They're trying to say these two have faced each other this many times, so there there is this level of familiarity between the two of them, <laughs> and Joey has gotten you know he's had success, so. Uh, the, to me, that is relevant to the story because those two players know that when they go to face each other, they know where that success has been. It, it does not mean that Joey Votto is going to hit a home run this time because the last two times he faced this pitcher, he did, uh, he did the same. And so I think there's some confusion. Now, some of that is because of the way that the announcers tend to talk. They tend to talk as if the six for 10 is relevant. (laughs) <laughs> and really, what it's relevant to the story. It's not relevant to what's going to happen in this at-bat. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because that's one of those
0: things, like, I, I always love looking at the deeper things, and that's even one of the things that Fangraphs first points out whenever you're looking at, you know, uh, pitch type. Uh, w- w- what's it? uh w- weighted runs against like pitch type and stuff like that. I'm still learning all that different stuff, but, um, and they say, this isn't predictive. This is just what they've done. Like, don't take this as a predictive stat, but I do, I do always find it cool. And then, you know, if a guy, you know, if Joey, like, you know, Jameson Tyon comes up and Joey's like, Oh, for 13 against him.
2: I'm like, Oh, well he's totally getting a hit. He's due.
0: Right. (laughs) Well,
2: I mean, and that's, you know, that's one side of the coin and the other side of the coin is that he can't figure this guy out, you know? So, and, and everybody knows that, um, I think intrinsically, you know, now where the challenge is, is if, if you're trying to figure out why somebody was pinch hit for somebody else, well, a lot of times matchup data is relevant for possibly why the manager made the decision he made. And so they may talk about that as a predictive thing, but that's more just trying to understand what the manager is thinking. Um, And you hope that a manager isn't doing something because of 10 at-bats, but then, you know, Juan Castro pinch hit for Josh Hamilton because of two (laughs) at-bats. So, you know, whatever. That was,
0: that was what was on the top of my mind. Whenever you mentioned that, I
2: was like, I, I think they just
0: saw that, you know, he had an angel, right behind him or something. So <laughs> um kinda looking at uh oh, just lost it. Where was it? Okay. Kinda looking at some statistics for the Reds and when it comes to this season, what is your favorite I kinda I kinda use that loosely, but what what's your favorite statistic to determine the value of a hitter?
2: Um, well, I mean, if you really, if you really want to under understand, compare comparing hitters to, you know, each other, uh, weighted runs created plus is probably the best we have right now <laughs> because it, it properly values the events of the game. So it differentiates between home runs, singles and walks and, and values them in the, in the terms of the runs that they tend to create, um, and it adjusts for uh, the the park that the that the player plays in, um, and and so I think that if you want to look at one number, if if you feel like it's necessary for you to look at one number to be able to determine a player's offensive value, that's where you start. Now, that being said, I rarely – like if you follow me on Twitter, I rarely tweet out Weighted Runs Created Plus, <laughs> partly because the general public does not understand it. And there are, there are certain people that will reject it simply because they don't understand it, and, and I get that. And <laughs> so I try – to it's always been my goal to communicate to people in the terms that they understand and still try to make the case – Um, the, the case for where, where the facts lead. And so typically I, um, if I, if I tweet out something, I'm typically tweeting out uh, the slash lines batting average on base percentage and slugging percentage because uh, outside of adjusting for the ballpark, which is, is not what happens in those slash line. It does not happen in those slash lines and I think is important. um, But uh, is hard sometimes to communicate to people. Uh, besides that, there's not enough of a difference between the underlying numbers of um, weighted runs created plus and the slash line, and I think more people understand the slash line in general. So uh, if I'm trying to communicate something to somebody, I may stick to just doing the slash line simply because I'm, I'm more likely to, to reach a wider audience uh, with those numbers than I am if I do Weighted Runs Created Plus or, or even OPS Plus, um, which is, you know, a little less solid than Weighted Runs Created Plus. But it's not, again, there's not enough of a difference there. You know, you're, you're arguing over single points here and there more than anything. So um, uh, that's why I typically just stick to the slash lines because I know, and that's really, that's something that this job has taught me is that um, if you if you tell it if you keep yelling at people and telling them war and you keep telling them uh, <laughs> weighted runs created plus, they're just going to ignore your argument. Um, you sometimes you have to bring it to the level that they're willing to move to, uh, in order to convince them, and so uh, that's typically why I try to stay in that realm.
0: That makes sense. And then on the pitching side, does that. Do you lean more toward quality start, or where do you go there? Um, I uh, Pitching-wise...
2: That was more of a bait question, I know you do I know. It. Well, pitch, <laughs> pitching is, pitching's so entangled with defense that sometimes it's hard sure. to really, really clearly quantify a pitcher. Um, so, pitching-wise... I'll do ERA simply because people know that, but I like, I hope that people understand that ERA is flawed because it is, uh, very dependent on the defense behind you. It's dependent on which runs are determined to be earned versus unearned. It's dependent on sequencing of hits, um, which pitchers have, uh, you know, it's been shown pitchers have less control over. Um, you know, so I, I try to stick, as much like if I'm analyzing somebody um, I may look at fielding independent pitching uh, which is FIP Mm -hmm. uh, which is for those that don't know is a number that's kind of looks like ERA and it's kind of intended to be like this is what their ERA should have been but it's also kind of a quick and dirty kind of calculation so it's not I wouldn't give it the precision perhaps that, that, uh, you would hope for. Um, so I, I sometimes will look at that, but usually I find the, the underlying numbers with that, I, um, make a little more sense to people. So like if I'm, again, if I'm communicating, I'll talk more about things like strikeout rates and walk rates and home run rates, uh, which are things that, you know, most pitchers can control those. Those are the numbers that you know they they have control over. Um, you know, almost the pitching slash line. Yeah, and it, it is. It's almost the pitching slash line. Now, I'm not. I I wouldn't say that I'm as consistent when I um when I talk about pitching about sticking to specific numbers as I am about um hitting. Uh, hitting, I almost am always using the slash line. Pitching it varies. It depends on what I'm trying to look at more than anything. Um, but if I want to communicate, uh, you know, this pitcher's been really good over the last two months. I I almost always will include their strikeout rate and their walk rate, and sometimes their home run rate if it if it feels like it's relevant. Um, you know, if they're outside the bounds in one way or the you know the the bounds of normalcy in one way or another.
0: We kind of went heavy, deep on the statistics and all that different stuff. As we're rounding third and heading for home here, I was kind of wanting to look at what are some of your favorite wacky statistics? Like what's your favorite stat about Joey Votto or, you know, stuff like that.
2: My favorite stat about Votto, and I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, uh, but he hits like he hits so well, he hits really well against Cy Young winners. Players that have pitchers that have won Cy Youngs in his in their career. Um, the only for for where we have, I mean, for pitch for players that have faced, um, I don't remember. I think it was 300 at bats against Cy Young winners. I don't even mind even be that many. Um, only Ted Williams hit better against Cy Young winners than Joey Votto in his in their careers. Nice. Um, and Mike Trout's right there too. Now some of that is great hitters hit. You know they hit everybody. That's how you get to be a great hitter. Um, but it's also like it just shows that like the the guy's focus and and when you know when the moment is intense, um, his focus ratchets up. And so he you know, everybody always wants to bring up, you know, Tony Perez is, was a great clutch hitter. Well, Joey Votto's clutch numbers dwarf Tony Perez. Now, Tony Perez had a lot more opportunities because he played on a, a team where there were guys on base for him all the time. Right, um, Votto uh, – I, I had uh, tweeted this out a few weeks ago. Um only since 1970, only two players have a higher batting average with runners and scoring position than Votto. Uh, and it's Tony Gwynn and Rod Carew, who are both Hall of Famers and both high batting average guys. Now Votto is a high batting average guy, which he doesn't get a lot of credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's even his his career batting average is 3.11. I think his career batting average with runners and scoring position is 3.32. So the fact that he is able to e- elevate his game uh, when when it needs it um, is just uh, incredible given the fact that, you know, he's already at a pretty high level anyway. But I thought he took too many walks. Well, and, and <laughs> so here's the caveat to, to that batting average number. Part of the reason his batting average is so high is because he doesn't get himself out outside of the strike zone. Right. So the walks actually help his batting average um, because he's not making outs outside of the strike zone as much as the the average player.
0: That's one of those things that every time I see, and, and mostly it's through like the different comments and stuff like that, where I see t- people talking about it, I was just like, oh, you don't, you don't
2: understand. You don't know what you're looking at. <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you this, when I first started blogging in 2005, uh, I spent a lot of time arguing with people about Adam Dunn walking too much. Mm. So, you know, we're 15 years past that point, uh, you know, 14 years past that point. And the people still think people walk. I mean, people complained about Ted Williams walking too much. Um, it's, it's all a flavor of the game, I guess, but personally, I want guys who don't make outs. Well, Hey, Joel, I
0: really appreciate your time, sir. Thank you so much for talking with me today. Um, definitely, like you mentioned earlier on, definitely go check out the book wire to wire. It is a great book. I've seen it myself. So I, I very much enjoyed it. Um, I didn't have a problem at all with you plugging it there. So, <laughs> Um, but I really appreciate you coming on. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Kind of a, a little bit of a different interview there as me and Joel sort of talked more about, sh- you know, shop for baseball statistics rather than actual like news stuff or anything like that. But I really enjoyed it, and I hope you did too. hope you found it informational. I thought that he did a great job of explaining, you know, weighted runs created plus and different things like that. But that'll be all for today's episode. And in fact, that ends up the week for us as opening day was yesterday. We also have more baseball this weekend. The season is here. We will be rolling right along. We've got the Pirates series ending up this weekend. we got Sonny Gray on Saturday and Tanner Rourke on Sunday. So get excited, Reds fans. Get ready to watch it. I'm going to be down at the ballpark on Saturday, maybe on Sunday as well. We'll see what happens there. But then... We'll get you right back set for the next series on Monday. Be excited about that, Reds fans. Thanks for tuning in to the Locked On Reds podcast, your only daily podcast for the Cincinnati Reds. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and Himalaya the best and easiest way to get the podcast delivered to you each and every morning. Also, make sure to check us out on social media at Lockdown Reds and at Jeff Carr with three Fs, and look us up at LockedOnReds.com. So, everyone, have a great weekend. Go Red Legs, and we'll talk to you on Monday.
2: Hey, Prime Members.